Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly interview series all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore. I'll be your host for the day. And I'm joined this afternoon by Tej Lalvani, the formidable CEO of Vitabiotics. Vitabiotics is a brilliant British success story. It was set up by Tej's father in 1971 and in the years since has grown to become the biggest vitamin company in the United Kingdom. You'll probably know it because it keeps David Gandhi looking so handsome on all those billboards and tube adverts across the country. And it can do the same for you, I think. I have to say I've been taking a couple of Wellman tablets every morning now for a week or so and I'm just about ready, I think, for my first underwear campaign should somebody want a slightly chubby model. Tej is also a dragon on Dragon's Den, which is incredibly exciting for us, not least because he reveals in this conversation some of the secrets of the den. We also talk about his first job at McDonald's and his love of filet fish the success of the innovative new gummy products they've been cooking up over at Vitabiotics, and Tej's secret life as a house music producer. If you don't believe me, just search Tej Lalvani on Spotify and thank me later. Enjoy the episode. But before we begin, I'd love to tell you about the Clubhouse, a new kind of private members club brought to you by Gentleman's Journal. Clubhouse members get two bumper issues of Gentleman's Journal magazine delivered straight to their door, full of all those invaluable insights from the worlds of entrepreneurship, style, politics and culture that you'd expect, as well as exclusive deals with a range of partner brands, restaurants and hotels not to mention some lovely invitations to some very exciting events across the year. In fact, our podcast listeners, which is you, now get 20% off a Clubhouse annual membership, meaning you'll get the full Gentleman's Journal experience for just under £48 a year, which sounds a bit like a bargain to me. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's P-O-D-20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. Right, on with the podcast. Tej, thanks very much for joining us on the Gentleman's Journal podcast. Great to be here. You meet me as I'm coming off the back of a horrendous cold, which means that you and your company have been on my mind this weekend, and I'm wondering when you are going to deliver me and everyone else a cure for the common cold. Is it just around the corner? Well, look, I mean, vitamins and nutrition, they um, help your organs function more optimally, so you get a stronger immune system, a lot more energy, and it's especially important during this time of year. Yeah. And what's your daily dose well fortunately um since i run a vitamin company i've got my own (laughs) formulations for myself wow (laughs) and um i guess you know certain nutrients like for me i don't need extra iron so i need more zinc so i could bespoke something particularly but to scale that is very complicated so it's okay to do it one off and and stuff like this but yeah but generally we've got products in different health categories different age groups so that's why it uh you know it helps having that uh specification And let's go right back to the start then. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I actually wanted to be a, a scientist and inventor. I loved tinkering with things and coming up with new ideas. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a Meccano set in your bedroom? I had a little chemistry set, chemistry I remember. Set. Yeah. Um, and so always new things would come out of it and a few explosions here and there. Really? But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Well, I'm glad you survived. What was your first ever job then? Uh, my first ever job was in McDonald's in uh, wow. in London in a drive-through. Um, I worked there for about uh, four or five months, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. Were you, were you the guy taking the orders, or were you the dispatch? I was the guy doing everything, and not 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 good stuff. So I was cleaning <laughs> the, uh, the the toilets at some point, okay. uh, and well, obviously I'm cooking and 
yeah, so all sorts of stuff. It was very varied. It was a lot of hard work. My only gripe was that they didn't feed me enough, so I was really? only allowed to have one sandwich. One sandwich? <laughs> what would you go for? Fillet uh, of fish? Exactly, fillet of fish or a Is chicken sandwich, but I couldn't have both. No, <laughs> okay, that's a shame. <laughs> did you like hard work? Are you happy to get your, um, your hands dirty? Uh, yes, I did. I mean, I enjoyed, I think there's a learning experience in everything. So whatever job you're doing, um, learning and trying to improve the processes really. So for me, it was a good experience yeah. learning the process of how McDonald's worked and how processes in there worked as well was interesting. Yeah, of course. And you had other mentors. Your father, Carter, started uh, Vitabiotics in 1971, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah, and then you were born a few years later. Yep. What, was, what were your memories of the time? I imagine it was, in the early stages, it was a lot of hard work for him. It was. I mean, I remember he had this little room um, in his brother's office where I'd walk in and there was literally papers everywhere, boxes everywhere, medicines everywhere. And I remember asking him, there was a there was a cardboard sheet with all these logos printed on. I remember begging him, can I have it to, to make an aeroplane? Okay. And he kindly gave it to me. <laughs> what, different Vitabiotics prototype logos? Yeah, for some of the brands, it was like okay. cross-printed for, for cartons, I think, at the time. Yeah. And um, and so I just like, you know, I uh, loved aeroplanes and wanted to be a pilot at one point. So I thought, okay. Okay, fun. wow. You always had quite lofty ambitions then. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, as a kid, you go through so many different yeah. uh, different things you want to be. Were you a sportsman? Did you want to be a famous football player? Not really. Actually, that was one thing I wasn't extremely uh, keen at. I enjoyed sports and playing a few sports, but I never really got into it seriously. Yeah. yeah. So what were the other prototype names then? I'm interested. Before Vitabotics landed, were there other kind of formulations? Well, I love to tinker with things and... At one point, I thought I came up with a cure for mosquito bites as a kid. Oh, really? And uh, I think I called it pain or red or something like that. Okay. Um, and sort of... That's pretty good. Try to find every single thing in the medicine cabinet, put it together, <laughs> and tried it on myself, and I survived. Yeah, <laughs> just about. But don't try that at home, I think. It's Absolutely, yeah. And what was the rest of your childhood like? I know you were kind of between England and India, and you were... Yeah. You went to several different schools. Was that difficult? Yeah, I mean, look, it was unsettling. It was a bit disruptive. Of course, you know, going to 10 different schools by the age of 16 wow. uh, between countries and cultures and obviously different academic systems was hard. I mean, you have to make new friends all the time. It's difficult to have long-lasting relationships with friends. Um, you know, I spent a couple of years living with my aunt in India. She was great and took care of me uh, while my parents were getting divorced. But nonetheless, you, you sort of don't have that sense of belonging. But yeah. so it was... You know, but I just got on with it. And as a, as a kid, I was quite positive no matter what was happening around me. I just thought this is what happens, really. Yeah. And um, just look forward to the next thing, really. Of course. Modern psychotherapy tells us that everything goes yeah. back to Self, our childhood. Self-therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you think it made Tej today more resilient, more better at meeting new people? Yeah, I think so. Because, uh, you know, you're always looking forward to the next thing. And you're embracing the future, really. Yeah. So it, it gives you that perspective. Um, yeah. Of course. And your uncles are actually great entrepreneurs as well, aren't they? Yeah, they, I was really fortunate to grow up with um, entrepreneurs all around. Right. And I think that was definitely an inspiration for me to become an entrepreneur as well. So there's something in, in the blood. There's got to be. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced. Do you have a Lalvani <laughs> family business mantra? I guess it's probably try and make your mark. Okay. I think it's interesting, each each of the Lalvani family members have tried to do their own thing, achieve something, and um, and make their own mark in, in, in the world. So it's, yeah. yeah. Is it competitive between the brothers? 
Um, maybe in the early days. Yeah. But but now it's uh, you know everyone's uh, everyone's together. Everyone's They're happy, happy and uh, you know. But but I think they, they were supportive even back then of each other. Yeah. And and wanting each other to do well. So but there was a competitive aspect. I guess not amongst them, but but around. Yeah. Yeah. You joined Vitabiotics when you were 19, is that right? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I've been going there um, a lot more when I was younger. But so when I graduated university is when I joined full time. Yeah. But before that, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And you were operating forklift trucks and packing boxes. I was, yes. Working in the warehouse, doing all sorts of things. Um, it was it was a great experience. And, you know, I mean, I enjoyed it and, and basically tried to help. If I was doing working in the warehouse, it was a lot of manual work. It was quite tedious. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was about how could I improve something, whether it's to relabel the boxes in a better way or yeah. to arrange the warehouse in a more efficient manner. Okay. Did the other people there treat you differently because of your surname? They must have known who you were. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it's something that was there on the back of my head. So I probably yeah. tried to work harder or work longer just to okay. um, counter that. Yeah. And then you became a salesman. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I was doing business development okay. internationally. So I, I did you know, try and work with customers to sell the products and, and marketing as well. Right. And you'd go out to people like retail shops, I guess, high street shops yeah. and try and get it stocked there. Yeah. Was that, was that easy or difficult? I mean, well, look, I was fortunate because I really believed in the product and I saw the results helping people's lives improve them. So that was good. I mean, at the time it was vitamins, the market was quite new. So it was a hard sell, but at the same time it was unique. It was different. And it stood out. Yeah. But obviously today there's loads of competitors in the market. So you really have to stay ahead of the game by innovating, coming up with new yeah. categories, new products. What was your kind of pitch? Did you have a set pattern that you'd go in with? I guess I remember creating a, a presentation deck, uh, talking about the company and a lot about the science really, because that yeah. was where our strengths were. Did the family nature of the business help? Did they think, well, if I don't know, does it give it a nice kind of wholesome edge? At that time, I don't think it was really an edge as no. such. Your product had to stand and retailers were sort of more about show me proof that this sells yeah. uh, because the concept was so new at the time. Yeah. What was the big breakthrough? Did you get in stocked in boots? Was that a kind of a landmark moment? Yeah, I think definitely getting it in boots in the supermarkets really gave us the confidence that this is something that could be of mass appeal. And, you know, at the time we had a distributor who had the accounts directly with the retailers. So we took a decision to go direct to all the major retailers mm-hmm. and that really helped propel us and build our relationship to grow the business. Do you, do you think that the way we look at vitamins has changed since then? Are we much more happy to pop vitamins in our mouths every morning, whereas before it was a bit of a fringe interest? Well, I mean, it's an interesting question because if you look at an orange, um, you know, 21 oranges today is equal to the amount of nutrition you'd get in the 50s for a single orange. So, I mean, that's obviously due to, you know, fertilizers and over farming and preservatives and stuff like that. But but also the lives we lead is a lot more demanding and hectic and you're skipping meals. So the importance of nutrition is important. I think people also prefer a preventative approach rather than just, you know, taking drugs and having to deal with a problem when you have it. Of course. What's the kind of history of vitamins? When were they first isolated? I think vitamins and their role was known uh, a long time ago, but it wasn't about having the combinations mm. of nutrients. And I think that's where we sort of created a market of multivitamin formulations and trying to understand what vitamins work well with each other and at what levels. Right. I think that's where the next breakthrough happened. 
Okay, so everything you do, it's a combination of things. Yeah, so that's where we started with combinations and, and sort of created categories. So for pregnancy, for mm-hmm. memory, for um, joints. So different products for different categories, combining nutrients that would work in that area and creating brand names that would that would depict what the product did, essentially. Yeah. So back then, we didn't have the money to to market or advertise. It was, you know, having a product, say, Osteocare, you pretty much knew on shelf what that yeah. product did. Um, so that's really how we did it. And how do you prove its effectiveness? How do you, how are you allowed to say that you do what you do, if you know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I mean, that's a really good question because being a food supplement, you can't make medical claims yeah. on the product. So what we do is we do a lot of clinical trials, which is quite unusual in our industry, to show the efficacy of the product, that it actually works. Yeah. I mean, the trials that we do are sort of as... Um, detailed as a as a medicine, for instance, was double-blind placebo-controlled trial. We'll publish it in a journal, uh, and that's part for our own uh, observations and satisfaction. But also because you can't really talk about them, which is a shame, uh, unless it's a, a, a licensed medicine. Yeah. But I think there are ways around it where you can communicate about the product has been tested and tried. Uh, I mean, our, our pregnancy supplement has been shown to double the chance of pregnancy in a trial published in the in a journal in the UK. Mm-hmm. So that's quite strong news, but you can't really talk about things like that. No. And it's a good thing in a way because sometimes you get cowboys, you know, telling you it's going to cure cancer or something silly like that, which is not true, and it prevents that, but also it, it prevents talking yeah. about real trials. Are there any real detractors to the vitamin world? Are there any people who say that this is all nonsense and you shouldn't waste your money on it? People always say that, um, you know, but then you've got to look at the evidence and see what works yeah. and what doesn't work and that's really down to the data of course and you know we've seen benefits that have happened in the numerous trials that we've done so you know we're convinced the people who take our products are convinced yeah and um it's basically nutrition it's like food of course and if you don't eat food you're not going to function properly so having the right nutrition is important to have a healthy uh, lifestyle yeah so if i started taking wellman every morning tomorrow how quickly do i start to feel the benefits in your experience um unlike a drug it takes time to build because you're building nutrients in your yeah. body to make your organs function more efficiently so probably about a month okay and most of our trials that we do are between one to three months yeah so month one month two month three and we see the progress over those three months that's a good amount of time okay and it's interesting you speak about your bespoke mixes you have every morning because i know that now that's a kind of new challenger market there's a company called vital that my girlfriend gets that okay. it comes in a nice jar yeah and it's got rachel's supplements on it so are you going to change your approach to do some kind of bespoke things like that well look i think that's definitely where the market is ultimately headed yeah. um, i don't know if it's if we're there yet at the moment in terms of personalization because um, it's difficult to scale and it's it's expensive so Quite a few companies have got into this space. It's I'm not sure if it's a financially viable model at the moment um, because to keep it sustainable, building the brand at the same time is hard. I think you know eventually it will go there. Interesting. Does that worry you that maybe there are more entrants coming to the market? Are you feeling some pressure? Well, no. I mean, if you look back at our products, we probably were the first people to come up with personalization to an extent because we came up with the first vitamins for men and women. Uh, for pregnancy so this is an extra level uh, but it's how do you scale that really yeah. and make it cost effective but i think there's definitely something in there and then of course there are these adult gummies which are basically sort of marketed almost as sweets with benefits and we think of people like the kardashians who flog these over instagram do you believe their claims <laughs> 
Well, look, I mean, they're, they're full of sugar, they're coated with sugar, and they have very little vitamins in them. But, you know, you can't deny that it is becoming a popular format with yeah. the young consumers. And in fact, you know, I've launched our first ever Well Man and Well Woman gummies. But they're vegan, they're low in sugar, they're packed with 22 nutrients, and they're great tasting. Yeah. So uh, we just launched a couple of weeks ago, and as it happened, it is probably one of our best ever launches in the wow. company. Um, so it shows there is a, is, a, is a market for products. We call them um, yummy gummies with serious science. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. Why, why are adults, why do we need to be coaxed into taking vitamins with, with essentially childish sweets? I think the format is becoming popular because I guess people want to have something they can chew and eat and experience rather than popping a pill. Yeah. Um, it's just different tastes really. Yeah. And yeah. as long as it tastes good. But the key is really trying to pack in the right amount of nutrients because it's easy to have a gummy with a couple of nutrients, but to taste good and still have everything in there is the challenge. And that's why it's taken us so long to develop something that's that really tastes good and it's not full of sugar. Essentially. Of course. Does each vitamin have a distinct taste then? Um, they do, yeah. You can. Well, I mean, they're not pleasant tastes, and, no. and that's why they come as tablets to swallow them. Until now, the technology is there to mm. be able to make them taste good in drinks, etc. Yeah. So it takes years to develop something that tastes good but still has the right, right nutrients in there without having to put so much sugar or artificial, you know, sweeteners, etc. Of course. Yeah. When I think of Vitabiotics, the first thing I think of is David Gandhi staring down at me <laughs> from a tube advert, which is genius because who wouldn't want to be and look like David? But um. How did you get him involved? Did you say, listen, you've got to try this? Is it, does he genuinely take it every day, do we think? He says so. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with brand ambassadors is that, you know, they, they really help um, get attention in a crowded space of for brands. And with David Gandhi, he was the first real brand partnership we did. And I think what worked well was that we had similar values. I mean, he's British, we're a British company. We have close values in terms of health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And I think what, really worked was the authenticity of the partnership because he did take it since his early 20s and he's been taking the product and he's a great evangelist for it and I think as you say it's become sort of synonymous now with Wellman and, and yeah. David Gandhi which is great that's lovely but maybe you should put yourself on the poster maybe, maybe I should next but uh, I need to get a few more <laughs> muscles and uh... <laughs> you have stepped away from the boardroom and you are doing a bit more uh, with a public persona because of course you're a dragon on the greatest TV show ever made Dragon's Den Dragon's Den exactly yeah so how do they approach you for that I'm incredibly jealous that you're even involved because it is something that <laughs> I've loved irrationally since I was a teenager oh it's great to hear I mean I, I love the show as well it's funny how it happened because I was having dinner with a friend of mine uh, who actually owned a radio station and he said the BBC approached him to ask if he knew anyone would be suitable as a dragon because right. they were looking for new ones and you know, I love the show. And obviously you fantasize sometimes thinking if you were a dragon, would you invest in that business or not? But then I thought TV really wasn't for me. So I sort of said no. Um, the next day, my wife called him up and said, look, I think you should put his name down uh, forward. And he said, are you sure? He didn't taste, didn't seem that keen about it. And she said, look, I know him. He's always wanted to invest in entrepreneurs and other businesses. Uh, you just do that and I'll take care of the rest. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so, um, so she did that and she was right. And so I, you know, obviously after a series of uh, interviews and screen tests and there were other candidates, then eventually they selected me and uh, it's, been, it's been fantastic. Okay, wow. So you, you defeated other candidates. I did, yeah. Wow. What do you think they liked about you? <laughs> um, I guess a lot of people said that I'm quite different to some of the other dragons. I'm not as aggressive or as, um, you know, um, 
Yeah, sometimes Stir. mean on the show. Um, mean. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but then, you know, I just think that people are coming on the show, they're, they're nervous already, they're coming to pitch. It's good to understand what they have to say and then give them advice at the end. Yeah. Obviously, if they're out of line, then you have to, you know, okay. uh, be strong on that. Yeah. And how does the format work? So, Where's it filmed? In, in Manchester? For many, many years, it's been up there. The BBC have got studios yeah. there. And um, typically, there's a block of filming that happens um, over six weeks in a year. And you see about 105 businesses over that period. So wow. it's quite intense, about almost seven a day. So by the end of the day, you're completely exhausted. And then I'm catching up with my normal work uh, wow. until like you know, two in the morning. So, so you're doing five days a week for six weeks? Yeah, it's about almost. four days a week. And then Amazing. you're back in the office one day. And um, yeah, so it's, it's very, very Interesting. intense. Interesting. Yeah. So has that affected Vitabiotics? In, have you got a good deputy in place for those four days? Yeah, I mean, we've got a great team at Vitabiotics, yeah. which is good. Um, I'm quite hands-on anyway, so I'm always in touch with everyone. But, you know, I think it's been really good for the business. There's a lot of new things that we're doing yeah. that's come as a result of being on the show. Really? Um, so it's brand yeah. building for them as well? Yeah, yeah. Brand building, but, but other avenues and other businesses that I've seen um, has really got me thinking about doing new things in our business yeah. as well. Were you nervous on the first day? Well, you've got 10 cameras, you're on national television, <laughs> no retakes, and you're investing your money with someone who just walked in. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Have you ever said something and you thought, God, I hope they didn't put that in the edit? Look, the thing is, you never know what, what's going to come in the edit, no. and, and that's the thing. So, uh, yeah, you're always thinking, what did I just say? And do they put makeup on you? Are you fully, are you fully ready for the cameras? This is me looking really young. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think in, in, in every TV show, they, to, yeah. you need to uh, look right in front of the cameras and, you know, with the lights that are quite strong and stuff like that. So God. The thing is, it's not just you're, you're on TV, but it's, it's that you're actually, it's your own money you're investing and you're really thinking and mm. analysing, can I invest in this person? Is he, three years from now, is it going to be yeah. success? What can I do? How do I negotiate? How do I compete? So there's all that you're thinking about at the same time. So it does get, uh, I guess, exhausting yeah. at the end of the day. And is it, this must be a common question, is it you, real money on the desk in front of you that you leaf through menacingly? Well, before I tell you, I'd love to know what you think. I, I can't, um, if it is, I imagine, no, it can't be. It can't be on a set. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Like, they're all 50s and they're all quite pristine. Well, haven't you seen the 20 money. security guys standing in the corner? <laughs> so what's the atmosphere like then between the dragons? Who's your favourite? Let's just get right down to it. Oh, I don't think I can <laughs> say that now on, uh, on radio. <laughs> no, no, but, don't, uh, definitely don't. But actually... You know, it, it's interesting because when the cameras are rolling, it's really competitive and very intense and each one's out for themselves because yeah. you want to get a deal. But as soon as it stops, everyone's joking around and friendly. You sort of forget it. And it's quite interesting. You okay. think that, you know, you've said something like rude or whatever to other dragons, but it's just all, it's all in the moment, which is yeah, good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's good. Peter Jones, his big bugbear is if people come with ridiculous valuations. And you can see his face <laughs> drop and almost he throws his pen away in disgust when someone asks for three million pounds or something. What's your biggest bugbear? I guess when people... I guess when they sort of lie or they're hiding the truth. Okay. Uh, because that's really annoying. And, you know, if you're going to... You might as well be up front and, and mention about it in the beginning because after question it comes out anyway, right. it just looks bad. So that sort of annoys me. Does anything ever come out after a deal has been done that they didn't say, then when you do your due diligence, you're like, well, there's actually a silent partner that we didn't know about or something like that. 
Yeah, that that generally happens because after the show you do do your due diligence mm-hmm. and you find out more. And you know, if someone says there's no competitors, for instance, it turns out there's five people doing the same thing. Yeah. So things like that, you have to you have to check properly and and do your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to watch yourself back after a show's done? Oh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> well, I remember. You know, the thing is, they zoom in so close, real tight in, into you. And I remember <laughs> the first time I ever watched it was at a private screening the BBC had uh, for the first episode. Yeah. And it was on this massive big screen and I saw myself in there and I thought, God, I need lots of sleep and facials. And uh, <laughs> three seasons later, I haven't done either. <laughs> okay. In your first season, I think you were the, um, the dragon that invested more than any other. Why is that? Well, you know what? There was just some really good businesses and entrepreneurs okay. that came on there and I was excited to get involved. And it so happened that that season was probably one of the, got the highest investments uh, yeah. in, in all the episodes. So in, in all the previous seasons. So, yeah. I mean, and I thought it would be good to add value to these businesses. So I was just uh, okay. really interested. And flash your cash early on. Just to flash show my you. cash, yeah. <laughs> spend it all and uh, have nothing left at the end. <laughs> what do you look for then? Can you tell within the first... I think people say it's six seconds or something. Can you tell instantly whether someone's going to get money or not? Oh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> but, you know, things change so much. And the beginning you think, wow, this could be really cool, this product. But afterwards, um, you're like, you know, after you question it, yeah. it's uh, absolutely not feasible. I remember there was this guy who came on with this device he invented which was able to retain the bubbles in champagne after pouring a couple of glasses. Oh, cool. And you thought that was pretty cool, but then you found out he spent two million pounds already in, in the product development and hadn't even launched it yet. And you thought, wow. okay, this is definitely not something you want to invest in. I'd be interested there. If that does happen for the, for the restaurant and service industry, that's huge. That's amazing, yeah. Two million pounds. You can have a seem... bottle, serve, a gla- serve it by the glass, and it's still yeah. bubbly. There's know? that thing that, I'm not sure what it's called, that pierces. Ah, uh, it's called Coravin, yeah. So yeah. you can store wine by putting an inert gas in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty good, actually. That's it's quite a cool invention, yeah. So I guess sparkling wine's the next step. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Didn't so are there any businesses that came on which you missed out on that you're really kicking yourself now? You know, you get so many businesses and sometimes you miss out on them, some really good ones. But, but because there's so many, it's just what's the next one? You forget about it so quickly. Mm. Uh, there's always new ideas and new entrepreneurs coming in with great businesses so yeah. you don't make it, don't have any regrets really and what about on the other side regrets that you have invested Buyers fortunately remorse. I think that's the more important thing have I regretted investing in any business and so far touch wood I haven't they've all okay. been good they've all been growing and you know good to work with the entrepreneurs touch wood what are some of the highlights then some of the best businesses I guess one of the businesses that I exited recently was uh, an energy switching company called Look After My Bills so they came on the show, bright entrepreneurs, um, a disruptive technology that basically you sign up for electricity and gas and every year it switches mm-hmm. you to a cheaper provider, saving you money. Automatically. And automatically. Oh, so you don't have the headache of calling up and spending 10, 20 minutes on the phone trying to you know, switch energy companies. And so in a year, they, they almost saved 30 million pounds of, of, of customers' money wow. by switching. So they got bought over by one of the comparison websites called Go Compare. Yeah. So that was great for the entrepreneurs that got a massive return and uh, it was great for me as well. So Why did Go Compare buy that? Doesn't that undermine their business or do they just want to buy it? And, or does it make it better for their customers? I guess it does. I think it does. It You know, it, it gives, once you've got a big subscriber base, it gives you um, the leverage um, to work with, you know, various companies and yeah. it's sort of powered to the people, which is what a comparison website is really okay. in a sense. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm going to jump back to Vitabiotics then. Has anyone ever offered to buy you out? Surely Big Pharma sometimes comes a knocking. Yes, we do get offers, uh, a lot from the Big Pharma companies. 
But, you know, I'm so excited to build and grow the business with a lot of new ideas and new products. So it'd be a shame not to keep it a family business. Of course. What are the biggest mistakes that pitchers make when they come into the Dragon's Den? Um, I mean, there are a lot of mistakes that entrepreneurs make, but I guess one of the most common ones is that they come up with completely unrealistic projections, financial mm. projections. They'll say, okay, they're doing £25,000 this year. Next year, it's going to be a million. Then it's going to be five million. You're like, on what basis are you really saying that? Yeah. So it's not really well thought out, and they come up with these projections. You just Sometimes you just get turned off by that. Yeah. Have you ever got annoyed and angry? I have at sometimes uh, entrepreneurs that come in with some ridiculous statements or, you know, with a bit of attitude. So, yeah. Okay, you shut them down. Yeah. Quite right. But my, my but, overwhelming takeaway from you is that you're, you are kind. When you say, I'm out, you do it with a, a nice smile and you say, best of luck with it. You, yeah. you, you're not bitter, but some people, I, I mean, I'm not going to point them out because they're scary <laughs> as it is, but they say, they kind of say, I'm out and it's ridiculous that you asked for this and actually I'm insulted and you should get out of this den. But you do it with a smile. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. There's no point insulting people, I think, on, on the show. Uh, but, you know, when they're out of line, then yeah, then say something. But for then, you know what, they're here doing a business. Good luck to them. I hope it is a success. Yeah. They didn't get investment, so fair enough, really. And there have been times, of course, when the den has been completely wrong. The big one is Tangle Teaser. Which yeah. Peter Jones, I think, years ago, slammed as a moronic thing, but now... I don't know a girl who doesn't have a Tangle Teaser. I think that was probably one of the biggest uh, yeah. ones that the Dragons missed out on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a huge business now. Of course. It's sometimes difficult to see in the den because it depends how the entrepreneur answers or mm. talks about the product. You know, you're seeing so many, so it's difficult to spot yeah. all the right ones. I mean, yeah. like even in the, in the American show Shark Tank, there was a company called Ring that came on. Yeah. A CCTV doorbell company. Okay. Didn't get an investment. And then he went on to sell the business for a billion dollars oh and then God. became a guest shark on the show. <laughs> right, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's come full circle. Yeah. It must be an intimidating place to walk into or to go up the lift, I suppose, and then the doors just open and you've kind of... There's always that awkward moment when you've got to walk out in kind of silence and you're just being stared at by five dormant dragons. Do you not want to kind of chuck in a bit of small talk? I can handle the silence. <clears throat> it is uh, extremely daunting. You walk outside, you know, the lift's open... And you've got all these lights and you've got five dragons sitting there and ready to question you or grill you. Yeah. So it can be nervous. Okay. And uh, I guess it's good that you just go ahead, do your pitch and then wait for the questions later. Do you ever kind of tell them to slow down or breathe or do you ever try and relax them? We have a couple of people who fainted actually on yeah. the show. And um, so they do get nervous. They need water. So you do stop for, uh, for oh that when God. that happens. That's terrifying. Are yeah. you good at public speaking? Do you like going out in front of lots of people and saying things? I don't think I'm great at public speaking, no. And it's, uh, if I could, I probably wouldn't do it. But I end up doing it because uh, sometimes I need to. Of course. Yeah. You're the CEO of Itabotics. Absolutely, yeah. Do you ever have to address the whole team? Yeah, we do at company meetings. Yeah. So uh, talk to the staff. So it's not like I'm af- afraid of doing it. I just, you know, um, you know. If I do it, I have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. Do you have any tips for us if we've got to go out and do you think about everyone naked? That's the classic Winston Churchill. (laughs) Yeah, people really get afraid when they have a lot of people in front of them. I guess the key is really just knowing your subject matter. Okay. Because if you're comfortable with what you know and what you're talking about, then you could just think like you're talking to an individual, explaining them about it. That's really what it's about. Of course. 
I wonder now, with all this knowledge you've gained from Dragon's Den and Vitabiotics, what your advice would be to 16, 17-year-old Ted who's working in the loo of a McDonald's in London? <laughs> I guess my only advice to myself at that age would be take as many risks as you can. Don't be afraid to fail, because that's really the age you can play about and do yeah. stuff and, uh, and you know, keep failing and trying new things. Did you take risks? I don't think I took enough, no. Okay. Um, and that's my regret. I mean, but now, obviously, I am taking a lot of risks. But, but back then, you should. You know, I guess I had the pressure of seeing a whole family of entrepreneurs who so you think you want to get it right mm. all the time. So I think just try experiment and keep failing. Was there a pressure to go into the family business? What if you'd have wanted to be a, I don't know, a rock star or something? You may still want to. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think if I wasn't doing all this, I might have been... Uh, a composer and yeah. got into music and uh, a musician or something like that. That's, that's always been interesting. But had you turned around to your father and said, I want to pursue a creative career, do you think he would have been disappointed? Oh, I don't know, really. Um, I'm not sure. It, it was something that just always happened and I was expected. And from a, from a young age, I did do it. Yeah. Um, he might have been disappointed. Right. Maybe, yeah. Might have been, but I don't, don't know. Did you have any rebellious phases? Did you dye your hair pink? <laughs> I'm going to do it tomorrow, actually. Okay, good. <laughs> um, look, in a family business, you always have uh, yeah. uh, challenges, I right. think. But obviously, the, the benefits completely outweigh the negatives. Yeah. yeah. I know your father's still chairman. How he much is. is he involved day to day? You know, I mean, it's his creation, so he's 100% committed, and he still comes to the office today at, you know, 88 years old. Wow. Um, but, of course, he works on his other projects that he's got. He's writing a book, his philanthropic activities, and, um, you know, but he's a great inspiration to me and the other Vitabiotics team out there, so, yeah. So what's next, then, for Vitabiotics? What have you got up your sleeve? The cure for the common cold, I hope you're going to say. <laughs> Well, I have to keep it a secret. Okay, you know, I mean, fine. we've got you know some some great new categories we're launching, and 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 a really cool brand partnership we're going to announce in a couple of months, actually. Okay. So not with an ambassador, but with a with a brand. Oh, so really? That'd be quite cool. Yeah. A lifestyle brand. Maybe. Maybe. How interesting! <laughs> I'm trying to think what that could be. <laughs> Let's go to the final questions we ask everyone. Okay. I feel like we've got a flavour of you already, and I like the fact that you say you could be a composer because my first question is, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Yeah, I think That'd it would be be, uh, would be a composer. And I remember as a, as a kid, I was always into music and I had my uh, little guitar, keyboards and a computer and I'd sample stuff and mix it in. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Fine. And you make, do I want to say house music? I never know what the correct Yeah, is. sort of uh, a little bit of uh, dance okay. uh, music. What does it sound um, like? More Who? chilled, more chilled dance chilled. music, yeah. Chill out. Uh, I haven't done it for a long, long time, um, and i just gotten so busy, but I really want to get back into it. So just two days ago, I ordered a small mini keyboard okay. so I could plug into my laptop and, and start composing. Yeah. Okay, so who are your influences then? Um, I love all types of music. I mean, in terms of back in the day, I used to love, of course, U2. Yeah. I thought they were a great band, and to have lasted so long and still be you know, relevant with the public yeah. is incredible. Um, I do like, you know... Music I don't really like is country music. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll start from there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to be singing about trucks and beers and pickups yeah. and things. Oh, old Town Roads. No. Old Town Roads. That's no. a good song, to be fair. Though. That is quite yeah. a catchy one, yeah. to be fair. I think that was the biggest selling song of last year. That was incredible. Was there cool. you go. 
So what's you don't have a DJ name? It's just Tej Lavani. No, it's just Tej Lavani. Yeah, I um, I mean I never took it really seriously. It was just something I did for my own enjoyment. Okay. Uh, but then um, I just thought I'd uh, you know make a track and uh, yeah yeah. I think there. you've got to follow that dream. But you probably don't have enough time. Do you do it on the weekends? Um, I used to back then. The thing is, when you when you're composing, it's Hours just go by, so yeah. I could start at nine o'clock, and by four thirty-five in the morning, you're you're still working on stuff, and then you're thinking, God. <laughs> so that's that's when we're scared about. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> you know that might become dangerous. So, well, here we go. What's your worst habit? Um, I guess eating really late, and that's bad okay. for you. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's not good to just eat and then go to sleep. And I'm usually working late, so when I come home, I eat pretty late. Yeah. Okay, fine. What do you usually snack on? Um. In the office, um, I try and get some healthy snacks, um, you know, nuts sometimes, but, you know, uh, a shake sometimes Fine. or a, a bar. But what but are you not, not telling great, us? Really, sorry? There's got to be things you're not telling us. Well, a snack, well, I love chocolate. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's something I've loved as a kid. Yeah. All part of a balanced diet. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm sure chocolate has some vitamin value. Maybe not. <laughs> There's got to be something in there. Um, what's the most impressive thing you can cook? Uh, spaghetti bolognese. Okay, is yeah. it a good one? Yeah, it's good. It's uh, really tasty. Yeah. Right. Do you slow cook it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, that's yeah. the key, so I think. It, yeah, it gets the flavors going. And I was told the other day that a real ragu, if it's a real Italian ragu, it has to have pork and beef in it. Do you, um, what do you well, do? See, I actually cook it with lamb. You cook it with uh, lamb. Yeah, because I stopped eating uh, uh, pork and uh, and beef. Uh, okay, for fine. Many years. Yeah. A lamb bolognese. Yeah. How yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's like a it's, shepherd's pie. Well, yeah. it's not like a shepherd's pie, but I guess I'm. That's yeah. kind of what it yeah. might like taste like. Well, I look forward to the invite. Do you have it with cheese on top? No. no. So it's just uh, simple with uh, with uh, whole wheat pasta. Okay. Uh, so there's spaghetti. a nod to health. A little bit al dente. Lovely. Yeah. What are you most proud of so far in your career? I guess what I really enjoy is when I hear about how customers' lives have changed every day and, and doing something to improve people's lives all over. And that's what really keeps me going. What's been your biggest failure or regret? I guess not following my gut or intuition enough. Okay. And I think, um, you know, so many times I look back and I've done things based on my gut and intuition, always ended up being right. And I just, I guess, wish I'd followed it more. Yeah. So is that now a big part of your business strategy? Yeah. How yeah. it feels? Definitely, yeah. How it feels, just go for it. If you could learn one new skill, what would it be? I guess martial arts. Yeah. Really? It'd be quite cool to do a roundhouse kick like Street Fighter. It would be cool. It <laughs> might come in handy as well. What was the last piece of advice you gave? Um, funny enough, it was to my wife this morning because she's setting up her business. Oh, wow. What's that? And um, it's called Beauty Effect. And it's, uh, it's a beauty device that helps women get ready and do makeup in half the time. Okay. So as a husband, I'm very happy about that. Okay. Um, so it was basically about um, trying to get the the process and the model working right in the UK before launching in other countries. That's interesting. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that device would look like. It is, is it? very, very cool. I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy. She's launching Fine. it very, very shortly. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a cool product. You know, she was a dental surgeon before and she yeah. had no intention of being an entrepreneur. But when you create something that you think really solves a need, uh, it's interesting how entrepreneurs develop yeah. and you want to get that product to market to help people. Yeah. There was something at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, that was a mouth guard you put in. Okay. It brushes your teeth in 10 seconds, better than you could ever brush them yourself. Which for me, because I find brushing teeth very boring, I'm sure I don't do it, it long enough. It is tedious, yeah. So if it did it in 10 seconds and I could really, like a car wash for your mouth, 
Is that kind of the, the lines we're thinking on for Beauty Effect? Well, look, it's it basically makes your life easier um, and you get better results from it. And it's, and it's quicker and you can do it anywhere. So that's all I can say right now. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, CES is a cool place. I'd love to visit there. Yeah, one, really one cool. Day, yeah. What phrase would you like to banish from the earth? Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. Because I believe you've got to keep tinkering, improving things in today's market where they're yeah. so competitive and it's disruptive at the same time. Yeah, Exactly. I think that phrase makes people settle, really, doesn't it? And actually, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You just need to keep making the wheel slightly better. Yeah, exactly. Every day and stay ahead of the game by, by just improving things and how can you make it better, I think. If you could be one age forever, what do you think it'd be? Uh, it'll be 40. 40? Yeah, how old do you know? I think uh, I'm 45 now. Okay. And I think it's a great age because by that time, you've got a lot of experience, you've, you've built up resources, you've, um, you know, I think you're on a path and also you're still young enough to take big, yeah. bold moves and risks. And I think, I remember a friend of mine said to me when I turned 40, he said, well, happy birthday, I guess it's all downhill from here. <laughs> and I said, well, actually it is downhill because the, you know, all these years I've been struggling to get up this hill and now it's going to be an easy walk down. Okay. Do you, yeah. do you think... At that age, you care less about what other people think and you, you go with your gut more. Do you think you're more confident in yourself? For sure. I think, and that's why it's an exciting time because you, you've had all the experience, you have the knowledge and uh, you have the confidence mm. in yourself and you've had results before. So you can do a lot more at that age. Yeah. yeah. What were your 30s like? I asked this because in six weeks I'll be 30. And it seems oh, to wow. me, okay. it seems to me like downhill from here, like your friend said. It seems <laughs> the beginning of the end. I remember on my 30th birthday, I gave up drinking alcohol for five years. Oh, my God. And uh, that was a tough one. Uh, but um, I guess it's, um, you know, I remember I went to a Tony Robbins event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, quite, quite life changing. It was really interesting. So I did a lot of, lot of things new at that age in my life. Okay. Good, yeah. So is that your advice to me? Just try new things? Yeah, absolutely. Try new things. I think, you know, yeah. I mean, it's all about developing, I think, and growing. Okay, good. I'll take risks. I'm going to justify that for everything I do <laughs> yeah. now. What, apart from time, would make the biggest difference to your quality of life? I think getting the right support around me to, so I can focus on, on more of the bigger picture and more strategic things. So mm -hmm. that would alleviate a lot of my time would be great. Yeah. And what have you done recently for the first time? Um, I guess... Last weekend, I rented a cottage in the countryside with my family and I flew a drone for the first time. Oh, wow. So that was a lot of fun, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't crash it, luckily. So that was, it was, it was <laughs> cool, though. It's so fast, it just zips by. And, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, They're it's, kind it's, of eerie. Do you yeah. think that's the future of delivery and things? Do you think we're going to have skies filled with drones? <sighs> yeah, I think uh, it's got to be right that way, um, the way things are going. Yeah. Um, yeah, you look at Terminator and the movie and it's quite scary. It is, it's quite it accurate. Like. What's your most treasured possession? Oh, uh, right now it's probably the Oculus virtual reality headset. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So, um, <laughs> and this one's quite good. It's got no wires and you can just walk around and it's, it's a real cool experience and uh, yeah. Yeah, enjoy that. I've never used one of those. Is it, it, is it actually good? Does it feel yeah, like I mean, you're I had, I'd avoid getting one for, for a long time because just the technology wasn't yeah. there. But this new one called the Oculus Quest, is uh, it, it's completely 
wireless and it works really well and it's there's no latency so it's, you know you don't feel sick because a lot of the time you feel it's like lag that, yeah it's like lag and um so it's fun all these cool apps yeah so what do you, I mean, do you play games or is it just being in other games spaces? experiences i mean space you know you're you're on the moon all sorts of stuff so it's uh yeah it's, it's, it's wow. a real immersive experience sounds yeah. good which book has influenced you the most um i did a podcast on it and it's actually Surely a joking Mr. Feynman, yes, uh, by Richard Feynman, autobiography okay, yeah, about yeah. his lifestyle and uh, really fascinating. Uh, growing up reading that book, yeah, I listened to that episode, and he was um, a bongo playing, practical joking physicist. Yeah. And apparently, he well, you'll know this. He he did a lot of his work and thinking in topless bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun way to do things, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which, I mean, well, I don't like it, but I'm, yeah. it's certainly colourful. Yeah. Was he, was he a real inspiration for you? Not that part, maybe. <laughs> yeah, not that part. But he was, because I think what he... He did so many different things from, you know, learning to pick locks and uh, helping develop the, uh, you know, the first nuclear reactor bomb and um, to groundbreaking Nobel Prize winning studies and yeah. um, so it was just a fascinating colourful life that he led uh, which sort of made me think about the endless opportunities and possibilities that one could do in their life really. yeah that was it. and he was kind of a celebrity scientist one the, the first probably he was yeah I mean he, he also helped solve the Challenger disaster which yeah. um, the shuttle disaster which happened and you know his way of thinking and analytical mind and sort of cutting through the the BS essentially and politics yeah. and trying to get to the root of the problem and the way he sort of communicated things in a simplified way yeah. that was also fascinating it's a bit like what you do oh yeah we're trying to simplify nutrition you're right yeah so it's make it easy do you have a personal motto? Um, my personal motto is always be ready to learn more and develop I think and in life to progress the more you know the better I think Absolutely. Yeah. Tej, thanks so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Joe. It's been wonderful too and really, really good. Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, Lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.